Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcast. Uh, Matt, Braden here, and uh, Joyce Garka. We're excited. Not Sharka, like some people say, but Joyce Garka. <laughs> <laughs> We're excited to, to have Joy on. I've been, I've been following Joy for a little bit, and uh, I don't know if she knew that or not, but... But I uh, knew who she was, and then Braden's wife one day heard her on Focus on the Family. And was like, hey, you guys should get Joy on. Mm-hmm. So, And you you must listen to your wife. I mean, I, I've heard that's important. So, <laughs> uh, And uh, my wife has incredible discernment, so here you are, Joy. <laughs> Happy to have you. I love that. I love that. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. Well, we are too. Yeah, we are too. Yeah, we've had to wait a bit because you were you were uh, giving yeah. birth. I know. Life. I had a baby. <laughs> oh, congrats. You bet, you bet. Are you sleeping or are you sleep deprived? Thank you. Yeah, he actually sleeps better, our two-month-old, than our one-year-old. She wakes up like three times a night, so. Oh, man, that's our story, too. Our oldest is just not good. <laughs> He's almost yeah. five now. He's still not sleeping that well. I don't want to put that on you, but. Oh, no. <laughs> five? <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, it's well, maybe it. we'll have a group nap time here in a, in a minute here. Eh? That would be wonderful. <laughs> that would be run- Jesus took naps, right? So yeah. it's good. <laughs> It's good. Joy, you're Director of Discipleship with Authentic Intimacy. We had Julie Slattery on, uh, who you work with a while ago. And uh, just you do, you guys just do such great work. And I love, I love what you do in talking to women and talking about your story and also the shame that's attached. And just to begin, what is your story a little bit with this? And why are you passionate about getting this message out to women? 
Yes. And gosh, I just love that God takes our brokenness and our painful moments and makes it our passion. And I feel like that's what he's done in my life. And I love that I get to do that full time through authentic intimacy and the work that we're doing. And so for me, my story in college and trigger warning, just for anyone listening, we're going to be talking, diving into some sensitive subjects. Um, so just to heads up on that, but for me, I, I entered college and on my third day, I was date raped on my campus. And man, just what a horrible way to start college. And before that, in high school, I had kind of said I was following God, but didn't know what that meant and was kind of unsure what it meant to follow him with our sexuality, especially and all that. So when this happened, I just was very confused um, and, and entered into this depression and, and just a lot of questions on what had happened to me. And so I started Googling, right. And we know Google isn't a good sex educator. Uh, it should never be our first step, but when there's no safe place to talk about these things, that's where everyone turns to. And so here I am Googling in my dorm room, you know, was that sex? Like what happened? And, and that's what led me to pornography. And so it started as a sex education, but it quickly became my coping mechanism when I was lonely, angry for what happened um, in those moments of depression. And then it quickly just kind of took over um, my life. And so it wouldn't be until... Um, a year or so later, I went to a women's event at a, our college through Crew, a college ministry, and um, heard a Christian woman say that she had struggled with porn and masturbation. I had never even heard a Christian say these words, right? So here I am and had all that shame that something's so wrong with me because I was struggling in secret, had no one talk about it, especially for women. And um, she went first. And I like to say that gave me the gift of going second because oh. I got to come forward and be like, hey, me too. I'm struggling with this. And that started us on this journey of discipleship and healing and working through all of the junk that um, comes with all this. So that's a little bit of my story in a snapshot. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. And uh, we appreciate, you know, being vulnerable and authentic about this because uh, as you shared, when you heard that, that opened you up to be able to share as well too. And, and I think for so many of us, the shame component of these things can be very damaging to the point where we don't want to give voice to maybe what we have been through um, or to even entertain the thought of that so that we kind of wallow in, in the darkness, so to speak, and don't really know where to turn. So I think that's so amazing that you're doing this now um, in giving that invitation to others to share that too. And uh, just talking about that shame component, um, how is that something that you were able to work through? Because it is really hard to share some of these these things that we've been through, um, very traumatic. And how was that for you in, in working through that? Yeah, so it took me a long time with the sexual assault to get to a place of talking about that because for the longest time I thought, it was my fault. I thought I let this happen. I played some sort of role in it. It took me a long time to realize, no, um, that, that's never someone's fault. If that has happened to you, I just want to speak to that person and say that was not your fault. Um, so it took me a long time and I had been working through that trauma for that year. Um, but the, the porn piece I think I felt even more shame around that just because I was a woman. 
like you heard on campus, oh, sadly, sexual assault is so common um, on college campuses. One out of four women, I think, is the stat. And that's probably just those who report. So I'm guessing the number is even higher, sadly. But with porn, you don't hear anyone talking about it for women. And so when this woman shared her story, I just had to share mine. I just had to go up to her. Um, the shame kind of went away the moment she even spoke, which is pretty incredible. But sadly, a lot of the women, so kind of what we do at Authentic Intimacy, we lead a lot of groups, support groups, online groups. And a lot of the women say, well, no one went first for me. So what do I do? I have all this shame. And so I use that moment in that group to not have had this in person, but we can provide that space through resources and book recommendations and this online group and, and piece by piece, helping them break apart this shame that they're not alone. Other women are struggling and giving them hope that healing's possible because I'm living example. Like God has changed my life, brought me healing and freedom. And, and I just love giving them that kind of piece of inspiration on their journey. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I love that you are vulnerable and that you are that first person for, for a lot of people. And, and I would say vulnerability is leadership. And that's the reality that somebody went first for you. And then you followed, which is, which is so powerful. And shame is such a, such a um, direct, it has a direct correlation to porn, man, men or women. And so when we, when we can conquer that shame, like you talked about when that lady spoke, the shame went away and that's so, so key in overcoming any addiction. Um, and so can you speak to that a little bit? Like your, your shame went away in that time, but, but, and maybe not fully, or maybe did, I don't know, but, but before that, when you experienced that shame, what was that like? And, and how did that kind of cripple you or cripple your walk? Yeah. So sexual shame, I think is the key component for sexual addiction, which is why I actually studied it in my doctorate. And what I found is that it's actually what keeps women in this cycle of they turn to porn, they feel horrible, they feel this shame, they try to get their way out of it, but then they turn back <laughs> to it because they're stuck in this shame cycle. And like one example, just a practical example is some people like to count and um, that kind of just makes them feel more shame when if they do mess up, if they do look at porn, because then they're starting back over at day one. And instead, I like to help my women see this is a journey. There's going to be some roadblocks. Maybe there's going to be some hard moments. Just because you're back at day one doesn't mean you're actually starting fresh in your recovery journey. And even the way we're educating our women and, and talking to them about this breaks away some of that shame pieces because they're saying, okay, God isn't mad at me just from this one slip up because I slipped up. He loves me unconditionally. He loved me even before, uh, you know, he died for me on the cross while I was still a sinner. I love those scripture verses. And so even the way we talk about this, our theology around it, around shame, helps women, helps them break free from it. Um, in my research, one of the craziest things that I discovered was that the women had such sexual shame that they doubted that they were even saved because of what they had experienced, what they had done, and, and doubted God loved them. And so even if we go back to that key point of the gospel of God's love for women and men, I'm sure this is similar with men too, but if we start there, I, I think that helps a lot with their recovery journeys. Mm, right. When I think sometimes in this area, we get so focused on the behavior component of, of watching porn. Um, 
and and that really becomes this this central kind of focus of us that we need to deal with the behavior and then everything will just work itself out but that's not the way it is right joy like because you're talking about shame and i think this is so linked to it and shame if anything is the overarching issue um why do we need to change that focus why why do we need, really need to tackle shame before we even maybe even start to really focus on that behavior Right. And I think, especially for women, this might be a difference in behavior modification is they'll just trade one struggle for another. So for example, um, commonly with this is a lot of eating disorders, especially binge eating. So I've seen a lot of my women, they'll, they're not looking at porn anymore, but now they're look, they're binge eating comfort foods, or all they do is watch Netflix all day or scroll on social media. Like they're just replacing one behavior for another. And I like to call it, you're just putting a Band-Aid over it. Even, even things like when I was first going through this struggle, people would say to me like, oh, you just have to pray more, do more. Are you going to church? <laughs> and yeah, those are all great things. Like, but they're not, they weren't, those advice, that wisdom wasn't helping me. It was just putting a religious Band-Aid over everything and, and making me feel worse, putting more shame on it, Right. And so we have to get to those root issues and that being shame, loneliness, uh, maybe it's trauma that a woman has to work through. Maybe it's really doubting God's love for her. So a self-identity issue here. And normally we see a bunch of these issues at once, but we have to get down and work through those. And so in our ministry, I don't even like share with them. We don't work on behavior modification until we dive deep and, and work on these heart issues. Then weeks later, okay, maybe you need to set up some accountability on your phone or these devices because we've you can just work your way around those software, right? Like you can just find what you want to find if, if you're really desperate. Well, and if shame is leading you and you just try to be, change your behavior, but you don't deal with the heart issue, then you fail. And then that makes the shame even worse. And <clears throat> a lot of people come to me and they're like, I've tried everything. And I just think, no, there's more. <laughs> there's more because you've tried everything to change behavior or you've tried to do different things, but but there's more heart change that you can do and garden your heart. So I love mm -hmm. that your focus is shame because it is so central to, to an addiction. Um, for you, what did that look like practically for you? I'm wondering, like, there's that moment where she, that lady spoke and you felt the shame go away. Like, what did that look like to walk that out then? And, and, like practically maybe think about yourself differently or think about God differently. Mm -hmm. So uh, I shared my story with her and then her and another woman just started discipling me. We met at Panera, uh, which is funny because I don't even like Panera. <laughs> uh, what, is but Panera? Met... what? What is Panera? Oh, right. You from Can Canada. You don't have Panera. <laughs> yeah, we only but have it's... Timorans up there pretty much. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. Nothing else. Oh, you probably don't know what well, yeah. I, I've heard of Tim Hortons. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> well, some people like Panera, so hopefully we're not ruffling any feathers. But I just yeah, don't. Yeah. It's just like a trying not to be fast food, but fast food restaurant. <laughs> okay. okay. Got, it. Got it. Soup, sandwiches, that kind of thing. A subway um, kind of thing. 
<laughs> yeah, probably a step above Subway. Step above Subway, um, right. Yeah. Okay, so don't yeah. go for the food, but go for the discipleship. Got it, got it. Right, so, and I guess the coffee, we would get a coffee, but um, yeah, so we would just go to Panera and, because it was in my local college town, and um, and at the time, I didn't know of any resources that existed. I didn't, I wish I knew of books or different things. I just had my Bible and this woman who was discipling me, and she basically uh, sexually discipled me, which is a phrase we use at Authentic Intimacy, meaning walking someone through God's word, through scripture with a, a lens around sexuality. So teaching you what the Bible says about sexuality. And I had to be retaught all this because I grew up with more of that purity culture narrative and mindset with so much shame around sexuality, thinking women couldn't have sexual desire, repressing all of that, thinking it was bad, thinking I to the point I thought that God messed up when he created me as a woman with sexual desire. I thought, man, something's just so wrong with me because I'm not a man and I have these these desires and these struggles. And, and so it was a lot of relearning, um, relearning what God says. And I just love even going back to the story in, in Genesis in the beginning. And after we see, you know, Adam and Eve sinned and they're hiding behind that bush and God doesn't just leave them there in their shame. He calls them out of hiding and then he closed them um, with the animal skin and provides for them. And I just think that's what was happening. I was hiding from God. I was hiding from my friends. No one knew about this struggle in my life. And um, this woman was just inviting me out of that shame, out of this secretness. Um, and then that allowed me to turn to God, to turn to scripture and relearn everything that I was taught, relearn it all. Um, and then learn what he said. And so practically, yeah, it was a lot of asking questions, like being honest of like, okay, is this the truth? Or can I think this? All these questions. What does it mean to be a woman, a sexual woman? Um, and then being honest about where I was. So like in moments of temptation, a lot of times we wait until we sin to reach out to our people but really learning that it's okay to reach out in that moment and to talk through your triggers in that moment. So that helped a lot. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm picking up on the fact that within your journey, discipleship and community were really, really important. Um, so maybe speak to that because I know there's a lot of men, a lot of women. They're like, I'm going to beat the curve. I'm going to beat this on my own because I don't really want to deal with this with another person or a community. I want to do this in the hiddenness in my own life and then I'll just come out and it'll be great. You know, I can, I can be free, but I'll do it on my terms. Um, so maybe speak to that. And then the second part, maybe to my question is how do we know to, or how do we know where to look for that discipleship in community? Cause many people don't know where to turn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so much and this shame piece. That's why it's so important. That shame keeps someone from sharing their story from asking for help and people don't know where to go. And so um, let me share, to kind of tackle that second part first of just where to go. So most of the women that are in our groups, they say, Hey, you know, no one's talking about this in my churches, so I have nowhere to go. And so that's why I love our online resources because we have people from all over the world who can join in and it's a, just a great first step. So I would just say, if you have nothing in your local churches, there are so many online resources, um, like this podcast, like our groups at Authentic Intimacy, 
that can help you kind of jumpstart. Okay, I can share my story here and I'll be met with love and not judgment because that happens a lot too. Or maybe you share it with a friend and they respond poorly and that scares you from wanting to share your story again. So if you're sharing it and it's a safe kind of first time, you know, I think that kind of encourages you to keep sharing. So I know you might be scared. We have a lot of women that just say, hey, I'm just so afraid to even take this step. Um, practicing, sharing your story with a good friend, uh, writing it down, like writing down your testimony, that kind of thing, I think is really helpful. Um, And when we say friend, we want someone safe, like a safe person who loves Jesus, who maybe she's in your Bible study, or maybe she's an older mentor at your church, um, different safe people that you can turn to. So hopefully that kind of provides that safe space. But yeah, like I said, so many people in our group have said, hey, we have no one going first. What do we do? Um, I would just encourage you then to to pray for that safe person um, to enter your life and then kind of be willing to take that leap of faith and to share your story. So I don't know if that, does that answer all your question or maybe there's a a good follow-up with that? Absolutely. No, for sure. That's great. Um, I think that's really um, helpful because often we don't know that there are things out there and we just think we're stuck within our own little area that there's nothing. So no, thanks for sharing those. Um, but then that first part I was curious too, like why does it matter that we have community and discipleship? Because right, um, right. Often we think we can do this on our own. Yes. That's what I was forgetting. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. So man, if I would have kept this to myself and not shared it with anyone, I can't imagine how lonely I would have been, how, I think I would have stayed stuck in that depression phase even longer um, instead of inviting people in to to join me in this. Because even if we look at our God, I mean, he's a triune God. He himself is in community all the time. Um, if if he needs community, how much more do, do we as humans um, need community? And, and I even just love the different stories in scripture of the house churches, the disciples being together, all the different scripture, even Jesus interacting with people, um, interacting with different women, those kind of relationship moments are so powerful where you can share your story that you think, oh, they might judge me, they might hate me, and instead be met with love. It's it's such a healing moment. Um, It really helps heal people from that shame because they think, they're so dirty, so far gone that no one will ever love them. And then to be met with that love, it does a healing work on people. I, I love that you talk so much about um, not just breaking free, but like the the sexual desire too. And and like God is so God is sexual, right? Like he's he's more sexual than we realize. He made it, but he also celebrates it and talks about it all throughout Scripture and. Even like you're talking about Adam and Eve, like I love that Genesis 4 1, it says Adam had sex with his wife Eve and then they had a kid. And it, it's like the first thing that they did when they were outside the garden was they came together and they had sex. And God didn't just ignore that, He highlighted it. And it's a really good thing. And so, because marriage, uh, sex is so important in marriage, um, and sex, sex, our sexual desire isn't just important in marriage, that's desire, that's important for singles or marrieds. But obviously, it is a glue in marriage, and there is a power to it. And so, can you speak to that? Just the impact of uh, obviously sex positively in marriage, but also the damage that porn that you've seen uh, that porn has in marriages. Mm-hmm. 
And even Matt, when you look back at that Genesis story, God created them and set, and they were naked and unashamed before mm. the fall. So that's his desire, right? That we're all naked and unashamed in our marriages. And I just love that because it's a picture of hope and restoration because porn just destroys lives. It destroys uh, performers' lives, those watching, those not even those who aren't watching watching the ones in the marriage relationships, all these different elements um, that it impacts and destroys. And so when we're talking about marriages, there's a few ways that it does impact um, lives. So just speaking from my own story. So I, this was all in college and I'm working through recovery and healing. And I definitely experienced healing um, before even meeting my husband, which is such a blessing. That's not co- always the story for a lot of people, but I knew it would somehow still impact us. I mean, our our sin, our brokenness tends to, to come back up when we're not expecting it. And so for us, like it did still um, impact because my husband didn't have a porn problem. And so we were entering the marriage and I felt like the one who was more sexually broken, the one with all the issues and looked at him as this golden child. (laughs) When uh, something we say at authentic intimacy is we're all sexually broken. Doesn't matter if you were addicted to porn or not. And so even though my husband he hadn't struggled with that. He had different issues. He had different struggle. He still lusted. Um, he still had different things. And so for me, it really helped us to change my mindset on that of, Hey, I'm not a worse sinner than he is because my sin was different than his. So I had to, when we were early married, change my mindset on that. That helped a lot. Um, we also talked to a certified sex therapist, which I recommend to so many people because, Um, A Christian sex therapist can just help you talk through all this, give you fresh perspective, that kind of thing. Um, So that really helped us. And a common question we get at AI, like couples actually say, like, we look at porn because we want to spice up our sex life. Why is that a problem? Uh, And you guys are nodding. You've probably gotten that question too. Um, And man, how sad that that's what our culture is telling us, right? That you need this in the bedroom to spice up your sex life. And And we tell them, hey, like maybe it'll work for, you know, a little bit, but ultimately it's just going to destroy, destroy things. It's going to make you feel like you have to compete. Um, It's going to make you need more variety and it takes away your attractiveness to your spouse. And so we really help couples kind of move away from that and realize why it's a problem in their life and then help them through different resources, kind of focus in on intimacy with their spouse and what they can do together to um, just pursue oneness and how porn actually, that's just inviting more people in the bedroom. It's not helping oneness um, in the relationship. So. Right. No, that's great. And I'm curious, cause this is a, this is a, definitely a massive challenge that occurs for couples that porn has been in the marriage. Um, so whether it's both of them or say the husband or the wife, um, you're binding more to what you're seeing on the screen and that novelty, that flood of image and um, the, the videos that are being watched. You start moving more that way instead of binding to your spouse, connecting to your spouse and desiring your spouse even. So how do we work away from binding to one and moving to the other? Because that's that's challenging. Uh, that takes time. But because um, for many, they don't know how they're going to do that. What's that? How does that work? Um, so what are some things that you would coach couples in, in, in helping them with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me personally, the counselor helped a lot. 
Um, and one thing that I struggle with and a lot of women we talk to struggle with is those images being stuck in our heads or even fantasy type things. Um, some women will ask, well, what do I do if I think about those images when I'm with my, my husband and I can't kind of be turned on or initiate without those images? And so I first just tell them, you know, there's a lot of grace in this that if you think about it, you have years, maybe even decades worth of those images stuck in your head. So give yourself some grace that it might take some time to work through this. Um, so practically, we like to tell them to focus on their senses in those moments, like smelling your husband, as, as might sound weird, but smell him, like feel his arm, like the, the senses, the feel, touch, taste, that kind of thing to help them be present in the moment. And then I got, invite God, invite the Holy Spirit into the moment. So I encourage them to stop and pray. Um, at a lot of conferences, we'll say, raise your hand if you've ever prayed about your sex life. And you look around and maybe like three people raises <laughs> their hand. Or <laughs> and you're like, oh, well, how if God is in the bedroom, if he cares about our sex life, if he created sex, why can't we go to him and pray about it? And so we just encourage couples to, when those trigger images pop into your brains, to pause it and to pray to God, hey, take these away. Even with dreams, I, that comes up a lot in, for our women is they have dreams, which are really out of your control. And so I just tell them, stop and pray, ask God to, to pray away these images. Um, pray away, though, <laughs> has such a bad connotation, but yeah, so... Oh, it's true though. Like we get asked right. that all the time. Like I, I'm getting these sexual dreams. I'm not, I haven't watched porn in how long I'm not tempted during the day really, but the dreams come and like, man, praise God that you're, you're realizing that this is only in your dreams and that you've, you've gotten victory to this point and praise him that, that it doesn't have a hold on you anymore. And just so it's, it is it, to, you laugh at praying away, but it's, it's powerful just in praying, bringing God into that. And he can really, really do that, whether it's fantasies and sex or, or whatever. And and I love what you're doing, Joy. I think it's really great. I, a couple of guys even recently to me, they're like in their forties. One guy and another guy in his sixties. He's like, I've, I've I've never thought about this stuff sexually before. God's designed for sex, and so I like that you talk about sexual discipleship. It's so important mm -hmm. for all of us to do it, and and God is obviously doing it all over the world. So where can people find you, follow you, whether personally or or with authentic intimacy? Yeah, thanks, Matt. So you can find me on Instagram at Joy Scarca, and also our ministry account on Insta Instagram as uh, at Authentic Intimacy. And we post lots of stuff: our podcasts, blogs, books, all sorts of things. Really, just to help you not feel alone. So if if you're struggling and um, want to know where to turn, we can help point you to the right resources. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Joy. Thank you so much for um, coming on today. And uh, thank you for what you're doing and, you know, devoting your life to something that's so important. And the fact that you are, uh, for many, that first voice <laughs> that you talked about. And uh, we so appreciate that. And those that are listening out there, um, as you're hearing Joy's story, um, just know that there is hope, there is help out there. And um, you can find that and you're not alone. Uh, and we're praying you on, we're in your corner cheering you on as well so um and it's it's so encouraging for me i don't know about you matt but when we meet people like joy to know that there are others out there that are um 
picking up this banner, doing the good work that God's called us to, um, to just bring that help. And so um, we so appreciate you, Joy. And uh, for all of you out there listening, we appreciate the fact that you are connecting to this. And we hope and pray that God's working in and through this and through your life. So thanks, everybody. Um, we'll check in with you next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.